Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. We share good news and godly wisdom to empower you to be salt and light in every season of life. There are always consequences to our choices. There are natural laws, spiritual laws, and moral laws. When you break God's laws, all these other laws will be impacted. Listen as Doug unpacks what he is sensing for the season we are in. After the episode, consider leaving a review and follow us on your favorite streaming service. If you've gleaned anything from this podcast, consider paying it forward with a gift at somebodycares.org. Now let's join our host, Doug Stringer. Recently, I found myself in one of those culminating moments from a season of personal and internal agonizing and even travail over what I saw as the complicity of sin, even by leaders in the church. Throughout the evening on Tuesday night, January 17th, I kept thinking over and over about some of the words I was sensing over the last few weeks coming into 2023. Those three words that kept coming over and over to me was exposure, implosions, explosion. Exposure to what? I believe the Lord was reminding me there will be an exposure of hidden sin. I was reminded of the scripture and the lessons in Zephaniah where it says to take lamps through Jerusalem and to expose or to enlighten, to shed light on those who have been complacent or compromised. And I sense that the Lord is saying to us that the spiritual Jerusalem in this context is that judgment starts within the house of the Lord and that he wants to expose the hidden sins, the complacency, the compromise, the sin, the complicity to sin, even in the church. In many ways, we have become complicit to sin because we have compromised our convictions. Remember, there are always consequences to our choices. There are public consequences to our private choices. There are natural laws, spiritual laws, moral laws. And when you break God's laws, all these other laws will be impacted. Romans 13 verse 1, speaking of true authority, and I'll read out of the Passion Translation, it says this, No authority in the universe except by God's appointment. And verse 2 says, So to resist authority is to resist the divine order of God, which results in severe consequences. Proverbs 13.6 in the Passion Translation says, Righteousness is like a shield of protection, guarding those who keep their integrity, but sin is the downfall of the wicked. Now, exposure is not just exposing the compromise and the complacent or those who are complicit to sin. But I believe the Lord was also speaking to my heart that he's going to expose or shed light on those who have not compromised. So there is a positive exposure and there is a negative exposure. So Zephaniah speaks of marking out those with lamps and to shed light on those who have complacent or compromised or complicit to sin. And yet we look at other scripture that says, find those who have not compromised, who have not bowed their knee to Baal, so to speak. And so the first word exposure can go either way, but I just sensed agonizing throughout that evening that I kept sensing there's so much compromise that God is about to expose so many things that were done in secret. And the second word I kept getting for the last few weeks was implosions, that everything we put our security in, just like Hebrews chapter 12 says, everything that can be shaken will be shaken, except for that which cannot be shaken. We know the only unshakable kingdom is the kingdom of our Lord. So I kept sensing exposure, implosions, that everything we put our security in, that we put our trust in, the things that we've leaned on, 
those things will begin to fail us, as we've seen that happening quite a bit these last couple of years. We put so much hope in the kingdoms of this world, and they're failing us. Every time we turn around, there are those who have let us down. The only thing that will never let us down, the only one that will never let us down is the Lord. And so we must understand His laws, His spiritual laws, His biblical laws, the universal laws of God, so that we will then honor moral law and natural law. We cannot do that without first seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness, so all these other things will be set in order. And the third word, after exposure, implosions, I kept hearing explosion. Now here's the good news. It wasn't an explosion in a negative way, but I sensed that in the midst of all the shaking, in the midst of all the challenges, in the midst of all the exposure and the shedding of light in the hearts of men, that God was going to expose things that were done in darkness as well as shed light to those who have not compromised. And that when all the things that we leaned on begin to implode, there will be an explosion of the manifestations of His presence. I sense that God is about to do something, much like He's done in history past, in the midst of most pressurized, difficult moments in history, were the very same times that God was able to move in the hearts of those who had humbled themselves before God and received a fresh revelation of the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection. So exposure, implosion, and explosion. Now, I won't take the time to unpack all of that right now, as I will over the next few weeks, and I'll be sharing that live with some people gathered together as I share some thoughts of what I feel like we've come from and what we're getting ready to enter into. Now, getting back to January 17th, 2023, as I mentioned, was a culminating moment of that season of agonizing and travail of the sense I had and the burden I had of seeing such complicity of sin, even by leaders in the church. And throughout the night, I just couldn't get that agony out of my heart as I was interceding. And even when I went to bed after my knee time, I was just laying there and I could not sleep. As I laid there, it came to mind an old Keith Green song taken from Psalm 51, created me a clean heart. I reached over to the nightstand and picked up my phone and I looked up the YouTube of that song and listened to the lyrics as I began to weep. There was a release that happened, a breakthrough in the midst of my agony, in the midst of my carrying this travail over the state of the church and the state of our nation and the state of this generation. Much like Jeremiah, I think, when God was speaking to Jeremiah to speak words to the people, and he said, you'll go to a people full of pride and and hardened of heart, and they will not listen. I can only imagine what many of the prophetic voices of old would have imagined and thought when they were told to go speak a word in season to their community to their generation, knowing that people would not receive it, but they would reject it. Much like we see today, it seems that we want the things of God, we want the favor of God, we want the blessings of God, and yet we do not want the full counsel of God. So getting back to Keith Green's song, it was Create in Me a Clean Heart, it was taken from Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, 
and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Each morning before I leave my home, I have my second prayer time as my knee time, and I do pray exactly that, Psalm 51. And I say it this way, Lord, I pray that you give me a right spirit, a clean heart, a sharp, stable, sound mind. You see, I realize I'm nothing without him. There is nothing. As I listen to that song over and over and over, that breakthrough came when I realized through tears of release and freedom, that breakthrough moment came when I realized what God was speaking. I sensed he was saying with all the external pressure, with all the agonizing, with all the travail that's going on, with all the pressures that seem to magnify all around us, the Lord was saying the only hope is not the institutions of men. The only hope is leaning on the Lord, and it first starts with us. When we think about the reform of Josiah, and we think about how God spoke through Jeremiah and Zephaniah to the season and to the times, they were saying that you cannot bring lasting change. In other words, you cannot legislate change until you first deal with the inward corruption of the heart. And that heart starts with every one of us. I can't deal with all the issues around me until I deal first with making sure my posture before the Lord is, Lord, creating me a clean heart. Father, be glorified in all that I do, say, and think. And that's what I want to see happen every day in my life. And I realize that's not an easy place. My flesh constantly wars against the Spirit of God. But I do know this, that I have the Spirit of God living in me, and I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit, as you are, if you call upon the name of the Lord. It's by His abounding, great, and amazing grace that we can walk in the fullness of His Godhead bodily, that we can walk in the fullness of His purposes in our lives. We'll never have all the answers. We will not be perfected in ourselves. But He that is perfect does a work of perfection or a perfecting work in and through us. It's by Him that we're able to see lives change. It's by Him that our lives are changed. And so in the midst of my internal agony and my travailing and my concerns and my struggles, I began to weep listening to that song, not just because I used to love it when I was younger, but because it was from Scripture, from Psalm 51 itself. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Restore a right spirit within me. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Wow. Every day I ask God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Thank you for the joy of the Lord that is my strength. Thank you, Lord, that I'm nothing without you, but you're everything to me. So if we're going to see an outpouring of God's presence, revival as some are praying, I like what Winky Prattney says, rather than praying for revival, let's pray to the revival giver. So true. If we just begin to align ourselves, allow the Lord to shed his light on us, that we be lovers of truth again, and that we would not be those who compromise or are complicit to sin, that we're not trying to compromise our convictions, but that we would truly say, God, do whatever you need to do in me so you can work through me. So what am I saying through these last few moments? What is I sense that God is going to bring light to and expose that which is compromised and then also bring light to those who have not compromised their convictions? So that when many things that we've leaned on, trusted in, institutions of men, when it begins to implode around us, then we will not walk in fear, but we recognize that there's about to be an explosion of the manifest presence of God. When we become desperate for God, passionate for God, 
and not lean on these other institutional things and worldly things that seem to bring us pleasure, security, hope, joys, when we recognize our only hope is in the hope of glory Christ Jesus in us and that we have a responsibility, even as Christians, to make sure we share that hope, that hope of glory to the world around us. And you've heard me say it multiple times over the years, quoting Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory to your Father in heaven. Yes, there will be an exposure or shedding light of those things that are done in darkness, as well as finding those who have not compromised their convictions. Yes, the institutions of men will begin to implode even more. And yes, we will see an explosion of the outpouring of God's presence. Here's some thoughts that I have, or maybe questions to start with. What is biblical law? What is spiritual law? What's the universal laws of God? What is natural law and what is moral law? And I won't unpack that right now, but I believe it's some good questions for us because it leaves us with understanding then why we can become complicit to sin, why we compromise our convictions, and ultimately we become seared of conscience and lose the love of truth. When this happens, we become uncovered. Remember in the book of Exodus when God spoke to Moses and to Aaron to tell the people that when the spirit of judgment came across the land or Egypt to stay under covering, stay indoors under the blood of the lamb. And to us today in the types and shadow as a Christian, it reminds us that we're to stay under the covering of the Lord, the blood that was shed for us on the cross of Calvary, the lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. I was pulling out a book by the late Derek Prince called The Beast or the Lamb, Discerning the Nature that Determines Your Destiny. What an appropriate title, and for a time such as this. Derek Prince, who was a great Bible teacher, interestingly passed away 2003. But how prophetic his words are to us today. The book says, The Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come but which we know that it is the time or the last hour, it says in 1 John 2.18. It says, We see evidence of the Antichrist and his spirit in the chaos, fear, hate, deceit, arrogance, and cruelty, both in the news headlines and in the world around us. Our ancient enemy is cunning, and his subtle deceptions can infiltrate an unsuspecting heart and church when we don't know or take seriously the daily relevance of the Bible's teaching on Satan and the end times. We can unwittingly get swept up in his schemes. In this eye-opening book, trusted Bible scholar Derek Prince reveals what the scriptures really says about Satan, the Antichrist, and the mark of the beast, and why Jesus Christ as the Lamb is so important. Derek also gives you the tools you need to, one, defend against confusion and fear, and two, guard your heart with purity and assurance, and three, hold fast in the midst of greater opposition. Today and in the days ahead, a destiny-determining choice lies before us. I like how he breaks it down in three sections in the book. The first section is understanding the nature of the wild beast. The second is understanding the nature of the lamb. And the third is choosing the lamb empowered by the dove. I tell you, we need that message now. And it's so more relevant now than even when he first wrote it all those decades ago. I believe we're in a very serious time that we can justify, excuse, even try to legislate our compromises, but that doesn't change the universal laws of God. When we try to change God, who cannot be changed, we are the ones that begin to suffer the consequences. We become uncovered. But when we come under the covering of the Lord, we find ourselves walking the fullness of His blessings, 
and His unmerited favor, as well as supernatural peace and strength and joy that the world cannot give and the world cannot take away. He is our Prince of Peace. He is our joy unspeakable. He is the hope that gives us direction and vision. The world may offer us a lot of slick marketing, public relations campaigns. We see it all the time when people try to market a product or try to promote a politician. Everyone sounds good until the light of the truth exposes them. Galatians reminds us that what we sow is what we will reap. If we sow in the Spirit, we reap in the Spirit. If we sow in the flesh, we reap according to the flesh. There is what we call the law of reciprocity. The world calls it karma. What goes around comes around. We've heard all those terms. But really, it comes out of Scripture. That as you sow according to the Spirit of God, you reap the benefits of walking in the Spirit. But if you sow according to the flesh or fleshly ways, that in turn is what you shall reap. Yes, we're coming into a time, I believe, that no matter what our opinions or what we say we believe, our personal preferences, what we try to justify in our own belief systems, If it's not yielded and exposed to the things of God, those hidden things will be exposed by the spotlight of God. Choices have consequences. So those who've been complicit with sin and settled in compromise and compromise will be exposed and implode. But I believe the Lord is speaking to all of us right now to come honestly before the throne of grace, the mercy seat of God. You see, as we humble ourselves as living sacrifices on the altar of God, Yes, it might break us, but it breaks the flesh off of us. But God does a deeper work in us. We can do work through us. If we continue to hide from God and put on those proverbial fig leaves and run from God, we continue to find ourselves wanting and ultimately exposed in nakedness, spiritual nakedness. We need to be covered by the Lord. We need this great and amazing and abounding grace of God to give us the hope that we all need, to give us a vision of destination, a vision of hope, and a vision of purpose in our lives. As I said earlier, there are spiritual laws, universal laws, natural laws, moral laws, biblical laws, and civil laws. And without these laws, we open the doors to lawlessness and ultimately anarchy. We've seen a progression of this even in the last few years. Choices always have consequences, and regardless of how much we may try to excuse them, justify them, or even try to legalize them. If our nation's broken cisterns and foundations are to be fixed, then we, the church, must awaken our hearts and get back to our spiritual moorings and biblical principles. Because to compromise our moral and biblical conviction is to sell our birthright and spiritual inheritance, like Esau, for a morsel of flesh. With the advent of social media, it's become easier for many to express thoughts, opinions, and feelings. Anyone can give their opinion or two cents worth about every issue under the sun. Yet at times, we can base them on assumptions without facts, experience, or personal knowledge. I was taught that assumption is the lowest form of knowledge, and I found that to be very true. We, especially as Christians, should be sensitive to how we express ourselves, even in our strong disagreements. We can firmly and strongly disagree with others without being disrespectful and dishonoring if we want to make a difference. As Galatians 6, verse 7 through 10 says, as a reminder to us, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows in his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. 
Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are in the household of faith. Everyone can have an opinion, but God's opinion is what matters. One of the biggest challenges in our society today is a lack of civility and character we display in our disagreements, even in the church. I've never seen so many people who are so adamant and opinionated, politically and otherwise, that they allow their preferences to divide their families, their friendships, and even their churches. It's painful, agonizing, and heartbreaking, especially from those representing Christ. 1 Kings 18, verse 20 and 21 says, And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God or your God, follow him. But if Baal, the gods of this world, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah approached all the people and said, How long are you going to struggle with two choices? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him so much as a word. Let me say this again for the third time. Elijah approached all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him, not as much as a word. Let me remind us again that choices always have consequences, regardless of how much we may try to excuse or justify them. The commander of the army of the Lord said in Joshua chapter 5, Are you for us? Or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth in worship and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. God is no respecter of persons, but his character, nature, word, and spirit are unwavering. God is God and we are not. It's important for us to align ourselves with Him and not try to justify our actions or our wants according to the flesh. Just as when Joshua asked the commander or the angel of the Lord, are you for us or for them or for our adversaries? And the angel or the commander of the army of the Lord simply said, no, I am here representing the Lord and that's who I have come for. This is not a time for us to be complicit with sin That means by the sin of commission being committing sin, proactively committing sin, overtly committing sin, or the sin of omission, where we omit to do right, where we know to do right, but we do not do it because we live in complacency or compromise. Or there are times we can become so insulated from the crisis around us and the human suffering and the needs of people that we become indifferent. Regardless of these things, We need the manifest presence of God in our lives. We don't need to be uncovered where there's a breach of covering. This is the season, the time to make sure that we're under covering, that we are yielded to the truths of God, to His character, nature, word, and spirit. We don't try to justify our actions because it makes us feel good. We don't try to compromise our convictions or to become complicit with the world around us. We need the Holy Spirit of God to give us a renewed revelation of the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection. We may not have the answers to the ills around us today, but I know this one thing, as I've been interceding with so many others, and I went through those weeks of seeking God and hearing those words in my mind over and over and over again, exposure, implosions, explosions. 
And I believe that God is about to pour out His Spirit, and I want to make sure that I'm yielded to Him, I'm rooted in Him, I'm sensitive to Him, and so that I have a knee posture, a humble posture before Him, so when He speaks, I draw near to hear, so that when He speaks, I can move quickly and respond to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. To simplify everything I've said, it goes all the way back to those weeks of agonizing and travail, interceding and praying and processing about this season coming into 2023. And that evening, Tuesday night, throughout the night, travailing and agonizing with the Lord on January 17th. And it culminated in that moment where the breakthrough came and tears began to flow when I simply went back to listening to the words and to the lyrics and to the song that Keith Green sang from Psalm 51, created me a clean heart, O God. Yes, I want God to pour out His Spirit and bring awakening revival in a corporate way, But before that can happen, I need to make sure I become introspective in that place of my heart being fully the Lord's, that He would create in me, first me, a clean heart, so He can do a work in me to do a work through me. May I encourage you today, would you begin with yourself, get back to the simplicity of the gospel, to get back to that place of just being in love with the Lord, remembering that moment of when He first revealed Himself to you the joy of your salvation, so we then can walk in the fullness of His anointing, His calling, and His purposes in our generation. As Derek Prince's book states, let us discern the nature that determines our destiny. Will we choose the beast or the lamb? As for me and my house, I want to serve the Lord. I know you do too. Lord, create in us a clean heart. Yes, Lord, according to Psalm 51, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Psalm 51, 6 goes on to say, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me, Lord, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. 
Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. And verse 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.